Welcome to the Energy Fellows podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Enabling best-in-class customer experience and operational excellence in a hyper-connected oil and gas world, TCS prioritizes problem-solving and leverages customer insights to drive real business results. To find out more, go to TCS.com. That's TCS.com. Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. You know, when I first got involved in the energy business 45 years ago, wind energy was not talked about a whole lot. Talk definitely about natural gas and the exploration going on and the opportunities with CNG. And especially in 1992, I started a conference, founded a conference, chaired a conference at the University of Oklahoma, where it began, called the International Energy Policy Conference. And uh, we started talking about renewables, but not to the degree it is today. And since 1992, we've seen a lot of changes when it comes to credits and opportunities and and the challenges ahead for the energy business, but it included not just oil and gas, and of course we're looking at solar and wind and nuclear and so forth through the years, but I have today with us an expert in the field of wind energy, Matt Carter. Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast. Well, Mark, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about wind energy and about the energy industry and about my journey and about our organization. Well, I do too. And Matt's been involved in different areas of expertise along the way. He's going to share that with us. He's with the Carter Wind Energy out of Wichita Falls, Texas. And I always like to start off with the journey because there are those that are listening from our students, those that are upcoming leaders, all the way to the senior leadership that are listening to this and ways that can help them look at wind energy and how it fits into our energy sector and energy policy. So first of all, Matt, if you will, uh, tell us about your journey of life. Well, you bet. Mark, you probably heard me say this before, but I typically introduce myself as a third-generation wind energy entrepreneur. My grandfather and father got started in the wind business during a period that I call the first renewable energy boom in the U.S. in the mid to late 70s. They developed a very unique wind turbine based upon helicopter technology. Mm-hmm. and began selling wind turbines initially to farms and ranches, farmers and ranchers throughout the Great Plains of the U.S. And that led to our turbines being installed in the very first wind farms that some people may know about in California. Mm-hmm. So they had pretty good success during the first, what I call wave. The second wave came about, as you mentioned, in 1992, the second wave came about with the passing of the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit. That was an mm-hmm. initiative done by the Bush Sr. and then uh, President Clinton within his administration. It was passed in 1992. And that really led to the second boom and a real growth in the U.S., sustained growth of renewables, wind energy through the 90s and into the 2000s. We ended up selling the, our wind business in the late 1990s, and we got started in another venture our Carter Aviation Project, which has been a fun project. But I was involved in the wind industry, wind energy industry, all growing up through my younger years, high school years, and then in college as well. And after we sold the business, I always knew I wanted to get back in some way into the wind energy business. I graduated from Texas Tech with a mechanical engineering degree. And after school, my first job was 
working for Bell Helicopter in Fort Worth in their rotor design group. So that was a great opportunity uh, for me to learn more outside the family business. After a couple years there, I went and worked for a large wind turbine development company, Nextera, Florida Power and Light was what it was called at the time, and worked there for several years, learning aspects of the wind energy industry outside of the family businesses. So then my father, Jay Carter Jr., he ended up talking me into coming back and working for the, our aviation project. And he said, come help me with aviation project. And when the timing's right, we'll re-engage in the wind market. That's where we are today, getting back into the wind market. Well, those experiences with other companies had to be a wonderful way to bring back some opportunities to your future and your company. Mentors, I know you have mentors in your family, by all means. What about mentors outside the family that encouraged you along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Mentors have been a huge part in my life. Of course, my grandfather and father were great mentors to me. But outside, I was looking for other to to get a different perspective than just from the family organization. And so that's key reasons why I took positions at Bell Helicopter and at Florida Power and Light in the wind industry to develop relationships in those industries and that has been hugely impactful in my career, in my journey. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely glad, you know, that was a part of my path. How do you measure success? Uh, you know, along the way, there's got to be some, I call them dashboards, even for a calendar of the day through monthly, quarterly, yearly, and the metrics. How do you measure success? What ways would you advise? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, you have to For me, you have to have a long-term vision. You have to have long-term goals. And then you have to break it down into shorter-term, near-term goals. You're constantly reevaluating those goals. For me, you know, I would tell young people who are maybe just coming out of college and looking, truly identify what your skill sets are. You know, what are you good at? And then match that with what you're passionate about. And if you do those two things and you work hard at it, you'll reach your end goals, but you have to plan along the way. You have to have a long-term vision and you have to have set up short-term goals and just measure those. And it's not always clear how you measure those. Your path takes you in different directions. So a setback may oftentimes feel like a setback, but oftentimes it's an opportunity to reevaluate and get clarity on where you want to go. Are there some habits that you have for success along the way? Habits, you've got to have a positive mentality. You've got to believe, you've got to have faith, and that's key. And with that becomes just your daily habits. But that faith and belief and long-term vision, as long as you have that, you've got something to strive for and work towards. Carter Wind Energy, it's exciting what you're doing. Please tell the audience, if you will, not only the history, you've given some of that already, but the history and where it is today and lies ahead. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we were first in the wind business, the wind turbines we were producing were some of the largest commercially available wind turbines at the time. And and product that we most recently produced was a 300 kilowatt equivalent to about 400 horsepower uh, wind turbine. And again, at the time in the mid 90s, it was the largest commercially available wind turbine available. Now leap ahead, you know, 25, 30 years and you have machines, wind turbines that are four megawatts in size and larger. So what we've seen is that there's a growing void in the market between very large wind turbines for large wind farms and then your small residential customers. And 
a lot of people in the market in the wind industry said, well, it's mature. There's not room for investment. There's not really room for growth. But there is. There is this unoverlooked market, what we call the mid-sized distributed market for industrial customers, oil and gas customers, mining customers, Bitcoin, water mm-hmm. processing, you know, manufacturing operations who want to now self-generate. They want to generate clean energy at their facility to create resiliency, to create a long-term understood energy cost or help them control their energy cost on site better. So that market is really very large and not just here in the U.S., but you think of developing regions around the world who don't have the infrastructure and they have to start at a distributed level with smaller products. So this wind segment that we've identified is very large. And that's been one of the key things that we've been doing as we look to get back into the wind energy industry. We've got a proven product. It's a unique product. It tilts up and down, doesn't require a crane for installation or maintenance. It's very similar to an oil and gas rig that tilts up and down and can be moved from site to site. So that's one of the unique attributes of it. And it fits very well with this distributed wind energy market. So we've spent a lot of time identifying the players in this space, people who might want to partner with us. We've kind of put the business case together. We've got the technology. And so now it's really been time to get the manufacturing operation back up. And so we're very grateful to the state of Oklahoma is also a very large energy producer. They understand energy. They understand access to low cost energy is what drives the world. And very excited to have the state of Oklahoma and the community of Lawton support in helping us ramp up production of our product for this underserved market opportunity. Is the manufacturing facility up and running in Lawton or is it in plans, planning stage right now? It's in late stages of planning. We're very close to the starting construction. We set up an office there in Lawton at the Great Plains Economic Development Center. They're uh, incubator center. So we're doing some work out of that office currently. We have a couple of Department of Energy contracts, two, three actually, that we have now. So we're doing work out of that facility to fulfill those uh, contract obligations. Talking about workforce development, I'm sure that Great Plains is very helpful and is needed. I mean, what's the challenge there as far as workforce? Well, absolutely. Workforce is a key piece for our industry and for what we're doing. We're not just a turbine designer or manufacturer or assembler, but we, along with investment partners, own and operate these wind farms and wind projects for customers. And so we provide the operations and maintenance service and workforce is key. And having the Great Plains School System Technology Center there, it was one of the big reasons we landed in Lawton is having the ability and the resource to tap into that system and be able to help us train good qualified people to do the work that we need done. Of course, distribution and uh, also maintenance. You mentioned maintenance. What's the plan when it comes to distributors and also maintaining products? Absolutely. You know, part of our vision to grow this market opportunity is to be, has been to partner with folks that are in the heavy equipment, diesel, gin manufacturing industry, because a lot of the customers we serve are solely reliant on diesel to get their electricity. You know, and that market, again, is very large. And so we've looked at partnering with some heavy equipment, diesel, gin manufacturers and their dealer network. They have a presence around the world to provide maintenance and service on our equipment. 
and they have access. They're a conduit to the market. They know the customers who are using the diesel gensets. Their customers are coming to them all the time saying, how can you lower my cost of energy? Diesel is volatile. The cost is volatile. The cost is extremely high. How can we lower our cost? By integrating a renewable such as wind. Wind is delivered for free. It doesn't require a pipeline. It doesn't require a transmission line. It doesn't require a railroad to get to that point of use. By integrating that, you can dramatically lower the overall cost of energy. And some people say, well, why would a diesel gen manufacturer or heavy equipment, you know, these folks want to partner with you? You're competing with their diesel gen set. And really, we're not. We're competing with the diesel fuel distributor who is selling the diesel fuel to that customer. The diesel generator provides that firm power component when the wind doesn't blow. So when the wind blows, they back off and burn less diesel and the wind provides the electricity. And so we are a fuel savings device, basically a a simplified way to say we're a bolt-on fuel saving device that you can put on a diesel generator and dramatically lower your overall cost of electricity. When you're talking about going globally, internationally, what's the challenge there and how would you train on site or do you train at the manufacturing facility or how are you going to go about getting the word out internationally? Well, yeah, absolutely. The first part of that is how do you scale in this distribute? That's been the challenge. And one of the reasons the market hasn't really grown like other wind markets have grown because how do you grow it? How do you sell? How do you service it on a global basis? I mean, do you, you know, originate all these service centers around the world? Well, that's very difficult Mm -hmm. to do. So this partnering relationship really makes a lot of sense to do that. And that's our vision for how we scale this globally very quickly is through partnerships. And from a training perspective, you know, our company obviously will train and have a, what I call a master course, I guess, in training that we will share with these dealers. And the service of our wind turbine is not that much different than that service of a diesel generator or a piece of heavy equipment. And when you don't need a crane to do the service and you don't have to find tall towers to do the service, It really makes it a plug and play for these existing heavy equipment service folks. I mean, the same trucks that they service these heavy equipment, you know, you tilt this wind turbine down and, you know, those same vehicles and same folks can do that service. What positions are needed specific as far as positions? As we move this forward, obviously there will be an, you know, engineering and administrative folks that we're bringing in right now. This will be followed by some skilled laborers, assemblers, and then service folks, operations and service folks. And then, you know, it'll grow from there with different levels of expertise blending into overall operation. As far as opportunities locally, you've got those regionally. And like you mentioned in the oil and gas sector, can you expand on that as far as the oil and gas sector and how you team up? You've talked a little bit about that, but even more so. Well, people can debate about ESG and, you know, all of that, but it's a real thing. Shareholders are wanting that. And the oil and gas industry is listening and more and more they're wanting to self-generate and reduce their carbon footprint. And by putting a distributed wind turbine on a specific lease, or you can, so for us, you have a lease where we can come in and put maybe two or three on that lease and power that lease and supplement it with batteries or with solar. But again, reduce your overall carbon footprint, and also provide energy price stability for these producers. 
you know, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 that was passed, and I don't know if you're going to get to that later, is a huge thing for our industry. Mm -hmm. It is the largest U.S. investment in clean energy that we've seen. And again, it's significant and it's different than incentive packages in the past. A lot of this incentive package that was passed is for focused on distributed, more on-site generation instead of great big wind farms or great big projects. And it's also focused on local U.S. manufacturers. So in order to qualify for these incentives, you have to be putting U.S. folks to work to qualify. So it's structured in a better way than past incentives have in to encourage U.S. industry and manufacturing growth. Well, as far as incentives globally, are you seeing countries also step up in their support of the wind energy industry? Yeah, obviously, U.S. has always been a leader. Even in the 70s, we were leaders in incentives and creating And back then it was the opposite. And that's the way it's kind of been here as well. The U.S. has created the market and the foreign creates the manufacturing and the equipment and they Mm -hmm. export product into the U.S. And so this new incentive package hopes to change that and create a stronger U.S. renewable manufacturing base than has been in place in the past. Would you be building other manufacturing facilities, not only in the region or nationally, but internationally, or is that in your plans? Well, our design is to be a a nacelle. So we do the design of the complete wind turbine, and then we sub out the components to suppliers, tier one type suppliers, from the gearbox generator, blades, tower, controller, et cetera. And then we bring those parts and pieces to our facilities in Lawton, and we do the final assembly. So we can see our suppliers potentially even setting up shops near our facility and lot to supply. So blade manufacturer, tower manufacturer, gearbox, or even generator could set up shop, even maintenance or repair facilities near our primary facility there in Lawton. So initially, because our product is containerized, we can put this plate wind turbine in a 53-foot cargo container and ship it all over the world. So Unless there are tariffs in place, we can export from the U.S. to other regions of the world without the logistics and the transportation cost of traditional large wind turbines being an impediment. That's one of the big reasons tower manufacturing blade manufacturers have to set up manufacturing regionally, the large turbine market. But for us, it's different. Yes, and I definitely see uh, where your product will be definitely welcomed in certain parts of the world, especially with three plus billion people that don't really have access to proper energy, meaning mm-hmm. not able, children are not able to read tonight or refrigeration's not in place or whatever. And so here you have these opportunities in place throughout the world, and I'm sure you're starting to see some interest from others that way. As far as reading materials and references for those that want to go, and I'm sure you try to keep up with all the events that are going on, the regulatory, the compliances, everything that's involved. What are some good sources to go to for those that are, I'm sure, looking at the wind energy, but also senior level folks all the way up to that level? What are some sources you would reference? Oh, wow, Mark. I'm constantly following just multiple sources. And to say that there's just one that's a primary industry advocacy groups, uh, Distributed Wind Energy Association, American Clean Energy Association. I mean, there's multiple places that I get my information from. But again, active and industry groups has been a key way for us to get information. 
Well, I know in the oil and gas and, and other organizations that I'm involved with and associations, I'm sure that there's some networking opportunities in wind. And do you find that that's helpful to go to these conferences and associations? I know COVID slowed a lot of things down. It seems like Zoom call is the way to go anymore, but are you still seeing networking important? Well, absolutely. Networking is, and however you do it, it's important. Developing those relationships, those personal relationships with folks is key. And we're learning different ways to develop those relationships and more of a remote Zoom calls and et cetera, honing our, our abilities to develop those relationships using different tools. So, you know, on-site, face-to-face is still a great way to nurture and understand the people that you're working with. But I'm finding more and more that offsite is through these calls and conferences. Mm-hmm. Learn a lot. Well, alliances are important. Partnerships are important. You mentioned those. Are you looking for alliances and partnerships as far as additional products? I mean, there's some other potential technology innovation. Are you willing to look at those and how you can combine your efforts with others? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's been 30 years since we were in the wind business, and there's been some advances in the power electronics industry since we were involved. So inverter technology was just on the early stages. And so one of our key partners in our journey here is an inverter uh, supplier who's working very closely with us. They're a global company. And so very important. Those partnerships again are very important for us. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we've covered so much. I'd like to continue. It always run out of time, it seems like. And I appreciate you, Matt, for being on today. It's very important. Those that are interested in getting information about your company, how do they go about that? Is there a website? Sure. Carterwind.com. You can visit that. And there's quite a bit of information there. That's a good source. Well, you've been listening to Matt Carter with uh, Carter Wind Energy, and it's a pleasure to have you on the Energy Fellows podcast. Again, I'm your host. And please leave a review, if you will. We'd love to hear from you and give your comments. It'd be very appreciated. The future of energy depends on us. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. 